listening to the Darius Daniels Podcast. Well, what's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Darius Daniels Podcast. I'm Darius Daniels, and I'm excited about this conversation for your transformation. As always, I've got my co-host, Dakari and Chastity with me, and we can't wait to allow you to hear some of the conversation we engaged in on today's show. And in addition to that, I've got an amazing interview with Jennifer Allwood, an incredible business coach, entrepreneur, a wife and a mother who's going to give you some interesting perspective on finances and how you can fuse your faith with your finances to create an amazing future. Can't wait for you to hear it. And as always, we've got the Ask Dr. Darius section of the Darius Daniels podcast, where we are receiving and answering your questions. It's going to be a great show, everybody. Get ready for today's episode of the Darius Daniels podcast. everybody i'm excited about today's show i've got dakar and chastity in the studio with me and it's gonna be a great day today what's up y'all how y'all doing doing great yeah all is well all's well man <laughs> how are you I'm, glad to hear it. I'm doing great also that's good had a good thanksgiving how was yours it was cool it was good socially yeah. distant yeah kinda yeah. sorta yeah. yeah, no, see, I was I was ready to come back. Um, I don't like to be gone away from my space that long. Yeah. So it's yeah. amazing. I can kind of wear thin really quick, right? When yes. you oh, I can't wait to see everybody and then kinda when I you guess got we were, that, I, I guess we really know how we were doing in fourteen days. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> we'll come back right. and talk about it on the podcast. <laughs> That's why we are socially distant, everybody, right here in the podcast. Yep. We are more than six feet away from each yes, other. We are. <laughs> we, are, we are more than six feet away from each other. You know what's weird though? Um in spite of everything that's going on with the pandemic, this Black Friday stuff was really still still kind of crazy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's this frenzy over the I mean, someone asked a question about it with the QA part of the podcast a couple of weeks ago. There's frenzy over this Xbox and which I have, thank the Lord. And <laughs> <laughs> got lucky. Uh Xbox and PS5 and all of those kinds of things. And I don't know, it's just 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 really, really, really interesting. Yeah, yeah. I still don't I still don't have one. You still don't have what? PS5. Do you want one? I do. Okay. Really? Yeah. We'll have to tell your fiance. Well, it's not even really that. It's just hard to find. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't. What's the what's the frenzy about though with the with the gaming system? I wonder what's the what's the difference between the PS4 and the PS5. Like, what is that about? You know, I think there's always a degree of frenzy. This is different though because there are some significant changes that they just kind of made to um, not just the console, but like the the graphics in the game. So it's like more yeah. realistic. Yeah, and then like the gameplay is like more fluid. Yeah. So like when you're playing video games, it's um, sometimes things can lag. Mm -hmm. You press a controller one direction, then it takes a while for the guy to actually go in that direction. So they improve some of that stuff. And there's you. some other features, but I mean, it's all marketing. Yeah. And it's all it's all hype. That's and it's really, saying. you know, frankly, here here's the thing: it's, it's nothing wrong with it, but it's just it's kind of it's it's all about money. Yeah, yeah. it really mm -hmm. is. Yeah. And, um, I don't know. You know, I've been thinking a lot about not PS5s, but just kind of money in general. And I talk a little bit about it in this uh, interview that I've got coming up in a second with. Jennifer Allwood, but I kind of want to get y'all thoughts on this too. It seems to me that by and large, Christianity is the only religion out of the three major religions. When I say major, meaning those that are, that are the most highly populated. So Islam, Judaism, Christianity. Only one that kind of really wrestles with the money thing. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. when I say wrestle with it, like mentally in mm -hmm. terms of seeing it as something that's like, and of course, we shouldn't worship it, mm -hmm. right? And um, we shouldn't put it above God and we shouldn't misuse it. But we seem to kind of be the only ones that, that, that wrestle with that a little bit. And mm -hmm. I just really can't. It's really, I don't know where that comes from. Part of it might, might be theological. It's, it's just, it's, it's weird to me. And I, yeah. I think maybe because one, I grew up in poverty. Mm -hmm. And then two, as a pastor, I've been exposed to it. So I see just the ramifications of it. And um 
I don't know. It's really difficult for me to wrap my head around kind of a theology where people paint something that you need for something that's so bad. Yeah, it's something I've always wondered. Like, why are people, like, especially as Christians or people that are non-Christians, and they try to dictate what Christians do or, you know, whatever, uh, what's the hyper-focus around, like, the money thing? Yeah. And it's like, you can't be comfortable even as a Christian and really make your money and enjoy the fruits of your labor because there's a concern of what are people going to think of me about the car that I drive or the things that I wear. And I just feel like it's, it's so much surrounded around that. And it's like, where did that even come from? And what is it to you of how I make my money and how I spend it? It's mine. Yeah. Especially as long as it's like moral and legal. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I'm glad you said yeah. that because I, I would, I would consider myself a moral cat capitalist and what yeah. I, yeah. and what i mean by that sure. is i believe in doing good mm-hmm. um but i also believe in money like mm-hmm. I, I i think it's a quote uh from from jay-z obviously i'm not sure what he believes but i, I do like this line of his where he says i got rich i mean so i can't help the poor if i'm one of them so i got rich to give back to me that's the win-win mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's how i kind of process everything like i want to be in a situation where i can be more of a giver absolutely yeah. and like you said i, I didn't i don't always necessarily say i grew up in poverty but i, I did grow up in an environment where poverty existed like yeah. i'm i'm around the corner from drug stores mm-hmm. i mean when i say drug stores i'm talking about where guys sold drugs but i knew then that i wanted to create a life where i could go back to my community i wanted to give back and i think that a lot of times people say well you, you don't need money to do it yeah, well yes no, and no but yes money yeah Absolutely. i, I yeah. and i and i like it you know, yeah, I, th- yeah. I think chastity is something that you said is like really important. And that is so if a person has a personal philosophy that says, you know, that money really doesn't matter that much to me. Now, so for any Christian, for anybody in general, one, I don't think you should. Obviously, you shouldn't worship it mm-hmm. like it's a tool. Mm-hmm. It's not your source. It's your resource. And it's something God created. Yeah. And so. you should have you should have values that govern your life that determine, OK, what I won't violate to get it. Yeah, yes. That's and, good. What, and what matters to me more than making it. But uh, so if a person has a different view where they feel like that just really doesn't matter that much to me. I think what Chastity said is so important. That's fine for you to have that personal view. It's not fine, though, for you to impose that view as the moral standard for someone else. Absolutely. Especially Mm -hmm. if a person says, hey, I choose. I'm going to be generous to the poor because I should. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be generous to other causes because I should. I'm going to give tithe, offering alms or whatever you believe about that. Mm hmm. But I'm also going to be generous to the people I love the most. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so I think that, that's where, you know, there's some like Black Friday. Right. I don't know if y'all seen the memes like when when things were open and there'll be like memes of people standing outside. Yeah. Yes. Like if people stood in line like this yes, to get in can, church. Yeah. Things will be. Yeah. It's not the same. It's like, well, well, I'm not going to go there. That would have been. That would have sounded like a flex. So I'm not going to say that. But <laughs> the, some people do stand in line to get in some churches. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. uh, mm-hmm, yeah. the, the point that I'm making, though, is no, man, we shouldn't be like hyper consumers, consumers. And like you said, we shouldn't be unethical capitalists. We shouldn't exploit people. But at the same time, if somebody chooses to be Wesleyan, I'm more Wesleyan in my economic philosophy, like John Wesley's in, in, yeah. from the way I look at it. Make all you can save all you can. And give all you can. Yes. yes. And uh, Wesley did a lot, did a lot of good by um, by adopting that philosophy. Now, theologically, like Dakar, I know this is you know you're a God. This it's Gnosticism. That's yeah. part of it, right? This mm. whole idea that that what you see is good, what you don't, what you see is bad, what you don't see you're right. is good. The immaterial is a higher value than the material, etc. And so, I, I think that's part of it theologically. But it's it's just like a lot of. Uh, cultural baggage around that and anytime anybody says something about economic empowerment in christian circles they like label you a prosperity gospel person and it's like no i actually help poor people yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. i actually know it takes resources to do that right absolutely or we grew up around poverty and we know what it's like for people that we love to not be able to get a prescription field right Mm -hmm. right um so like i'm even i'm kind of embracing this i think i talked to y'all about this before like I'm really, I did this thing called the Joseph Summit. It's on YouTube. I'm really leaning into business leaders in this season because I think their their world changes. We want ethical capitalists. Mm-hmm, absolutely. People who are not going to exploit people. But man, when you're doing good business, you, you're rendering service to people. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a, it's a delivery system for service. Mm-hmm. And the compensation you get is people's appreciation 
yeah. or the service that you provide. You know what I mean? And I really feel like, well, man, we need more people to do that. But now everybody think they're an entrepreneur. You do know that. Yeah, every and it's not that easy. I was having <laughs> I was having a conversation with a young Everybody lady won. a couple of weeks ago, and uh, she just started her business, and I was asking her because you know I consult people on starting their businesses, and I'm like, "What's your business structure? Do you have this set up?" She's like, "No, what's that? What you know?" And it's like if you see someone doing it, you want to hop on it, but it's like you don't have the business mindset, the aspect of that part, but you have the talent and the gift. Mm -hmm. And so people have to understand when you are forming these businesses, it's just not about you offering your gift, your service or whatever, but on the back end, you have to make sure things are set up because you have to follow the laws or whatever. She didn't know anything about following taxes or anything. So you have to, it's not just about being an entrepreneur, making money, posting pictures on, on social media, but it's like, all right, I'm really running a business and it has to be legit. So and I, and I think we don't need to paint entrepreneurs as like more special than other people so yeah. that people who are who are more entrepreneurs don't step outside of their grace place. Like mm-hmm. absolutely. To, like especially social media is bad for that. It is. Mm-hmm. Like especially if you're like uh you you say, Hey, I wanna be a sole entrepreneur and I just wanna eat what I kill proverbially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You need to be wired a certain way, personality wise, mm-hmm. yeah. to live with that kind of pressure. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> if you only eating what you kill, that's a different kind of pressure. Yeah. And that, that money's not coming in steady. You need to make sure you're wired for that. You're emotionally healthy enough for that. And oh man, I can't believe I'm about to say this, but this is a no cap community. Say it, say it. <laughs> <laughs> I think also too, right? This is one of the things that social media does. It causes people to over inflate. Yes. Overestimate. Yeah. How good they are at something. Yeah. yeah, and it's not that they can't be that good, mm-hmm. yeah. but it is like you see somebody else's ninth inning. Mm-hmm. You're in your first inning, in your first, yep. and you expect your first to look like their ninth. It's not. And you it's didn't like, put in the work. Didn't put the work in. You didn't put the time in. Mm-hmm. You actually haven't become that good at that yet. I mean, that's mm-hmm. a dope graphic. It's not good. You know, it's not, it's good. not good. So I think I think that that piece is I think hurting a lot of people to an entrepreneurial community it's like man you can't you uh, uh, Bishop Jake said one time he said my focus was only getting better yes. and as I got better mm-hmm. I got bigger yep. wow that's so important huge mm-hmm. yeah well I think I think this is really an important conversation it's a conversation I have with Jennifer Allwood on uh, today's interview and um, if you believe in making a difference in the world if you're an entrepreneur or an entrepreneur, which most of you are, like most people are not going to work full time for a church. They shouldn't because the job of people who work full time at a church is to equip those of you who are actually in the world changing it. So we need you to be world changers. And I believe this interview with Jennifer Allwood is going to give you some insight on how to do that. So get ready. This interview is coming up next on the Dare Stands podcast. Well, everybody, I'm excited. I'm excited about every guest. I do not have a guest that I'm not excited about. <laughs> uh, all of our guests, I I admire in some way. I've learned from, am learning from, and I want you to learn from them too. And you're getting ready to learn a lot. You're getting ready to laugh. You're getting ready to learn. You're getting ready to be lifted. I am so proud to present to our tribe this thought leader, this entrepreneur, this model and amazing example of what we call thriving, right? Meaning you can build an empire without losing your castle (laughs) and you can be productive and have peace at the same time. An author, a coach, you name it. She's my sister. She's a friend now this podcast. Jennifer Allwood, welcome to the Darius Daniels podcast. Oh, Pastor Darius, I'm so excited to be here. Uh, I got to tell you, this is, um, I've listened to your podcast for a couple of years. So when we got the ask for me to come on, I was um, just kind of took my breath away for a moment. So thank you. You know how you like, there's people you admire and you look up to. And then um, it's, so it's just, it's a, it's my honor to be here. I'm super excited. Well, so we're so glad to have you. Hey, just so that we introduce you a little more to those who may not be aware of who you are, just tell us a little bit about, about your background, your family, so that we can get just a fuller picture of all that you represent and and those that yeah. mean the most to you. Absolutely. So um, married to my husband, Jason, for 23 years. We, we like to joke, you know, about 22 of those have been happy. <laughs> 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 some tough That's years. 
Um, I mean, that's just the truth. And um, if you've been married for a bit, you know, it, it's just, it's good to be honest about that. And so we have four children. Our oldest, Noah, is a freshman in college. We've got a son that's 17, a daughter that is 12. And we have just recently adopted a little six-year-old girl. She's lived with us for two years. She's extended family. So, you know, our quiver is full. We're busy with the kiddos. We live in Kansas City. I was actually born and raised in a very small farm town in Iowa mm. and uh, moved to Kansas City as a youngster. Um, got, uh, let's see, I bought my first house, Darius, when I was 21. Um, and mm. I don't know why I just, money was always something that, um, I was afraid I wasn't going to have enough of, and I had a really good work ethic mm-hmm. and I didn't like wasting it on rent. So I bought a house really young and learned how to like fix it up and make it beautiful, um, with thrift store finds and garage sale finds and all the things, but I had to work two jobs, you know, to be able to afford the mortgage. So all my friends were still out at quarter margarita night, you know, and I was, <laughs> I was trying to make sure I had enough money for the light bill. Um, but that actually served me really, really well because having to do things in my own home taught me, um, some decorating skills. And, um, I figured out I had this love of like just making houses pretty. So even though I had a degree in computer-based information systems, when I was about 30, I told my husband, I want to start a painting company and not like, you know, rolling on straight paint, although Mm -hmm. that's lovely, but like making walls look like texture and marble and things like that. And, um, thank you, Lord Jesus for really supportive spouses when they don't even know where things are headed because he was, and, um, he was so supportive. And so I started this little side business, which actually turned into a huge decorative painting company. We were on extreme home makeover three different times, like with Ty Pennington. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got to meet Chip and Joanna Gaines many, many times. Um, I've had a client fly me to Belize to look at a, a housing project. And that was, um, it was fabulous. I loved that business. At the end of that, we shut that business down about three years ago. I had eight women painting for me. Mm. And the really cool thing is <laughs> I figured out, like I started the business and then we got pregnant with my oldest son within a year. And I really wanted to be home like a full-time stay-at-home mom. But then I was in this conundrum because I'm like, okay, shoot, I just started this business. It's being, you know, really, um, it's taking off. It's bringing in a really nice income. And now we're getting ready to have a baby. So how can I do both? So I figured out if I just hired other women to come work for me, I could stay home. I could manage the business and they could be out in the field working. And that worked really, really well. And then social media hit. And um, you're, you know, quite a bit younger than me. I'm 49. So it was a good um, 10, 12 years ago that Facebook started. And not a lot of people at the time were using social media for business. They were just using to show pictures of their cats, the babies, their vacation. And, you know, in a lot of ways, I wish we could go back to that. I'm not even gonna lie. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of a dumpster fire sometimes these days. But I started using social media for my business and figured out that when I did that, because there wasn't a lot of people doing it, man, things really accelerated with my painting company um, to the point where, you know, I hit 50,000 fans on Facebook and then 100,000, then 200,000. And people started asking me, how are you building your social media? And I'm like, oh, geez, Um, you know, I'd sit down and I'd kind of tell them what I was doing. And Mm -hmm. then I had a coach tell me one day, you just need to start a paid group. You, you can give people all your knowledge. Just don't do it for free. Give them yeah. some, but um, start a paid group. So I started a $47 a month coaching group. And we now have, uh, we're nearing 2,400 women in that group every month. And I've really shifted out of the DIY and painting space into the teaching women how to use the internet to build a business so that if they want to stay home, they can do that. Or if they have a brick and mortar and they just need more foot traffic, they can do that. But God's pivoted me several times kind of into what I'm doing today. And, um, and so, yeah, here we are. You know, as you were talking, sure, anyone who's listening, so thank you, Juan, for just that transparency and sharing everything mm-hmm. that you've shared. But anyone who's listening has probably picked up, she has entrepreneurial leanings. Like, <laughs> she started a paint company. <laughs> yep. um, and so, and this is what I mean by that. I mean, in terms of your mentality, the way yeah. your brain processed an opportunity was not to carry out a task, but to start a business. It wasn't, I'm going to start painting. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start a painting business, right? Yeah. So obviously, and, and we're going to, I want to get into what the what in terms of some of the things that you do, but I, I want to kind of lift up or have you unpack for us the why. So is this just something you fell into? I know this is something you're very purposeful about now in terms of, in, in some sense, like, hey, this is part of the way I carry out my purpose in the marketplaces by coaching, uh, biz- leading businesses and coaching and developing and deploying business leaders. 
But is this something that you just kind of fell into as a means to secure yourself financially when you first started? Or was it a passion? What kind of threw you in this direction? I think I love this question. I want you to know that I love this question. Um, I think that there's been a lot of different times in my life, Darius, where I'm presented with kind of, you know, two different ways that we can go Mm -hmm. or um, an opportunity. And, um, and there, and it's oftentimes when maybe something has been stripped from me or, you know, I'm in a vulnerable position. I'm like, oh gosh, you know, which way do I go? And there's, there's some saying, and I don't even know who coined it, you know, that a hungry tummy is often one of the best things that can kind of catapult you into making some good decisions for your life. Mm. And so there were some times when, like when I started the painting company, I'd actually been let go of, uh, laid off from a computer job. And in my head, I was like, well, let me just do this, this little thing. And that's what we often do when God gives us like a business. It's often starts as a little thing. So I was like, let me just do this little thing until I can interview for the next corporate job for the next thing that I have to do. But while I was doing that little thing and I was playing around with this painting job, I was like, okay, I, the thought of going back to like pantyhose and a pager, and that shows you how old I am, but like, I will do anything at this point to not have to go to back to that. (laughs) You know, that'll cause you to be scrappy. And then the same thing happened when I started the business and, you know, we had Noah and I was like, honey, I don't want to, I don't want to go back to a job. I want to be able to stay home and like, figure out a way to still bring in some income, but to stay home and raise this kiddo. And then, you know, we just kept having baby after baby after that. And so that, you know, made me have to be a little scrappy. Also, I think that, I think that what maybe God has gifted me with Darius is the ability to just look at something and be like, okay, well, how can we make it work? Mm -hmm. What can we do so that I can stay home and we can still get income? Okay. What can we do when people are asking me questions about how I'm building a business? Like, how could I, you know, make that into some sort of an opportunity, not from like a greedy place at all. But I am really convinced that women in particular, we're really weird about money. And God talks about money like over and over and mm. over. In the Bible. And I, I can't even tell you the number of really talented women that I meet who God has given them some sort of a gift, some sort of an, you know, uh, a thing that is, is special to them. And number one, they play it off and, and, and they dumb it down and it's yeah. not that big of a deal. Yeah. Um, they think that everybody should be able to do it. You know, it's, it's really not that big of a deal. So that's one part of it. And then the second part of it is they feel really weird about monetizing it. And mm. I don't feel weird about money is, is, is an interesting thing. Like, I think that money is just a tool. And I think that when we live with our hands and our life wide open, that God will funnel, he'll funnel right through you. He he will give you some and, you know, to whom um, much is given, much will be required. And so, um, so I think that number one, I've just kind of been scrappy. And number two, I've been like, okay, here I am, Lord, use me. Um, I may not be comfortable with the things you're asking me to do. I mean, it's, it's weird when you feel like you're supposed to be starting a business, but you don't know what you're doing. And so the whole time, I'm just trying to remind myself, I'm stumbling and bumbling around. We've never done this before. I've never done this before, but we're going to figure it out. Somehow we're going to figure it out. That was so rich. I've got so, <laughs> I've got so many lanes I want to go down just based off of some things that oh. I've observed and some statements yeah. that you made. However, one of the things that I just want to highlight, and I really appreciate this, and that is the acknowledgement that there are some things that contributed to your, let's use this word, let's not shy away from it. Bible yeah. uses it when God talks about what Joshua's outcome and leadership is going to be. It's like, hey, if you do what I tell you to do, you're going to have good success. So part of, part of your success, you have attributed to, mm, part of this is wiring yeah. in terms of there are certain set of circumstances that I didn't choose. Those circumstances made me scrappy. I had to be scrappy to survive. And there are certain people that weren't born into those circumstances. So that scrappiness was not innately put on the inside of them. And you shouldn't judge yourself or feel like you're less if that's not there. But what we do need to acknowledge is how vital that has been for your success. And I really feel like that's important. And I want to highlight how, Jennifer, you, you also mentioned the contribution that God's made to your life in terms of, hey, these are some things God has blessed me with. And I'm going yeah. to tell you why, because what I notice in the knowledge business, people who are attempting to help others um, become their best self and launch businesses and serve and st- serve people well and steward the business well, oftentimes are communicating things to people that are not necessarily true. Like, hey, you have everything I have. And it's like, well, it didn't mean yeah. I have less than you have, yes. but yes. God gave you something different. <laughs> and so uh-huh. the key is 
finding that difference in you, like discerning your difference and knowing how to work and leverage that. And you, you've seemed to have done that. And that requires, I think, some self-awareness. It requires some emotional intelligence because I also think we kind of live in an era where it seems as if there's the assumption that everybody has to be gifted in the same areas mm-hmm. to have success. And, and uh, we just, one, we see examples of that all throughout culture. That's not the case. And we see examples of that in scripture. So yeah. I, I want you to kind of talk a little bit about kind of just, um, <laughs> I want to go back to this, this money thing, right? Because uh-huh. I use the yeah. word success and we're not defining, we're not relegating success to money. But kind of talk about, I don't know, some of the issues in your experience kind of that, that women may have with it. Yep, for sure. What I found as a faith leader is, especially with Christians, there's kind of an issue at large that Christians have with. For money. sure. For you, sure. You talked about it being a tool mm-hmm. and, uh, and you talked about how your desire for it wasn't just to acquire possessions, but it was to design a life that you felt called to live that lined up with your values. Like, I want to raise my children. And so yeah. resources are going to help me do that. So can yeah. you kind of talk a little bit, you know, talk to us a little bit about that um, and how you kind of worked through that and overcame that? Because maybe that's some people that may be listening, that may be their hurdle. Yeah. Let's see how we can help them overcome that. Yeah. And I've had, you know, I've had to do my fair share of work in this area, which, mm-hmm. you know, it looked like example A, therapy, <laughs> mm-hmm. and kind of work through some different um, money things to kind of land where I have today. But, you know, I think there's so many people that feel guilty about maybe wanting to have more or wanting to have more resources. Uh, and I think that uh, guilt does not come from the Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's, there's, uh, he, uses different feelings to convict us and things. But, um, and when we just really look at money in and of itself as a tool that just kind of changes everything. Like, I think that there's a lot of people who love the Lord who look at money as like a hot potato. Mm-hmm. And, um, and what I've noticed in the business world, there is, is there like, there will be women who come into my coaching group and they're making pretty good money, um, but they can't keep it. They'll lose it. Like they'll feel guilty about it. They'll give it all away. So there's like two extremes. There's like this group of people who feel really um, kind of weird about making money, weird that they, they feel guilty that they even want more. And so I'm trying to talk to them about, look, like when you make more, you can give more. When you make more, mm-hmm. you can influence more. When you make more, like what a blessing to your family. I mean, Proverbs talks about money all over the place and 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 leaving an inheritance to our children and things not so they can be spoiled brats um you know but i think that's just it's it's wisdom to figure out um if you have some hang-ups about money that don't align with god's word so i think one part and then we've got the other group of women that i'll often coach who you know they'll get it but they can't hold on to it they'll feel like when they get money coming in they just they have to give it away they spend it all or what have you and that's not you know a good place to be in either and so Um, the thing with the business that I'm in, and I've just figured this out in like the last year. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus, for just the, the pivotal moment where I finally figured out that, you know, the Bible talks about us being, um, soul, spirit and mind. Right. Mm -hmm. And so for years, I've kind of been coaching just from strategy, just here's how you can get a better Facebook ad. Here's how you can build your Instagram following. Here's how to get a great email list, thinking that strategy is what's going to change people's business. But the truth is, is that after, you know, doing this now for five and a half, six years, the strategy, like I can give out all the strategy in the world, but the truth is if a woman still feels like, um, in her, soul. Like I'm not worthy of making any more than what I have. Um, I deserve to constantly struggle. Um, I have money hangups from the way I was raised, like all the strategy in the world that I'm going to give them is not going to make any difference. It's just not. And so little by little, like, um, you know, I've always been a woman of faith. I mean, I was, I was born again, saved at 16, like radical conversion, Holy Spirit filled at the same time, uh, then walked away from the Lord for a good decade, came back to the Lord. And I talk about this in my book, and, um, but in my, co- and so I've walked with the Lord for a while now, but in my coaching, I've just kind of been not intentionally, but mixing it in more and more because the truth is 
The strategy doesn't make the difference in the business. It's more the mindset. And what do you actually feel about your own worthiness and what God says about you and what God wants for your life? And we're to be content in all things. Like, I get that. Mm -hmm. But I also don't think that it's wrong to want to make more money to take your family on vacation. I don't. I do think that God enjoys, like, I just think of myself as a parent. I love when I just can delight my kids with something, you know, um, that they are not expecting or, you know, that they want. I mean, mm-hmm. for my six-year-old, it's Tic Tacs. Uh, for my eight-year-old, it's, it's the, the, new, the new Easies. You know what I mean? My kids own a sneaker business. but So it's totally different. But I think about how you know God delights too in giving good gifts to his kids. And sometimes sometimes that can be financial. And so, um, so I think that just working through like the money piece and, mm-hmm. and having a healthy view of it, um, because then the other side of that, I'll be real honest with you is once you reach a point where, okay, now I'm not struggling. Cause Jason and I, at one point in our marriage, we were like, okay, we have got a mountain of debt. Uh, he lost his job right as the housing market crashed and he was in real estate. We had three mm-hmm. little kids. I literally can remember calling Dave Ramsey's 800 number back when he had that and balling my head off and saying, do I cash in our 401k? Like, what do we do? So I can remember being without. And so then now that the pendulum has completely swung, there's also things at this level that God's having to teach me that I'm having to work through because now the fear is what if I can't manage it? Now I have all these people that work for me that are depending on me. What if we lose it all? And so the enemy, he's real sneaky in how he tries to get to you at every level. So my hope is just that I'm helping helping women who are coming up behind me and in the beginning parts of building their business, like really getting a healthy mindset around what the Bible says about money and what I believe that they can have and that is okay for them to have. of people living in apartments aren't connected to a local church, making it our largest mission field. Apartment Life brings Christians who are passionate about loving their neighbors to host irresistible events and to care for apartment residents in times of need. Yes, even in the middle of a pandemic, especially in the middle of a pandemic, Apartment Life has connected more than 65,000 residents with local churches over the past 20 years. Visit apartmentlife.org relevant to get involved today and tell them we sent you. I think what you're speaking to, Jennifer, is really this this idea of, hey, let's draw a line of distinction between what is Christian culture and what's actually Christian. Like the <laughs> Christian culture, those myths, those ideologies, even those theologies, right, that just may not be aligned with the word of God, but they're just they're dominant and they're popular and they describe the attitude of many believers. And, you mm-hmm. know, one of the things that I feel like I want to reiterate that you said that's so important, it's this. And that is money's a tool. Now, I kind of see it that way because I kind of lean a little bit in my pneumatology in terms of the way I understand the Holy Spirit and the second blessing, the second experience that we can have with him, experiences rather we can have with him. I'm kind of Wesleyan, um, really influenced by John Wesley's philosophy, even with the way that I see money. This is what John Wesley says. He says, make all you can. Save all you can. And give all you can. So I'm really it. Wesleyan in the way that, that I approach that. And I really think it's aligned with, um, I think it's aligned with scripture because here's the question, right? When we say money is a tool, this is what we're saying. We're saying when you don't see money as a tool, even as a Christian, this is the question you ask. You ask, what do I want to do with my money? When you see money as a tool, when you don't see it yeah. as a tool, you say, what do I want to do with my money? When you see it as a tool, you say, what do I need my money to do for me? Amen. Two yeah. completely different questions. And one of the things that you mentioned is I want it to allow me to be generous to those that matter to me the most. Amen. And, and, and to you know, strangers as, as well. There's yeah. plenty of organizations that are near and dear to my heart. But I'll tell you something that I've seen it happening in the business world. Um, and just know, Pastor Darius, that I am still a work <laughs> in progress. So this may not be biblical. I'm just going to say that. And you can, and you can, you can pastor me. <laughs> but um, here's what I've noticed. That has really just, um, sometimes I find that the things that make you angry, that righteous anger, are actually like the arena that God's trying to move you into. And so, in the last several years, I've felt a righteous anger looking out into the marketplace and seeing 
people in my industry who are not serving the Lord, who are not walking with Christ, um, who are, you know, uh, completely, uh, you know, atheists, whatever, who are doing so well financially, have a multi-million dollar launches. and, and, And I've looked at that and I've been like, you know what, Lord? That's not okay with me. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not okay with me. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, I know that there's a scripture in the Bible that people twist, and I don't know if it's applicable, and this is what I was saying. I'm still, uh, you know, I'm still in motion here, but it talks about shifting the wealth of the unrighteous to the righteous. And yeah. I don't know if that applies here, but I've been telling the Lord, I, I, it's not okay with me that I see wealth going to unrighteous people. And, and, and I feel like there should be a shift and that we, if there's going to be, you know, this many people, a huge bucket of unrighteous people who are making the funds, like where's, where's the church people. We should be able to make that too. Yeah. And I, one thing I do know is that God is a great accountant and he is a great judge. And I have literally said when I've, there's times when I look at other businesses and I have to make sure I'm coming from a right heart position where it's not one of jealousy, but it's more of a uh, Lord, you judge righteously between right. my business, between theirs. Yeah. We have double the clients I do. Now I know I'm, I'm trying to impart to the women who are in my coaching group, you know, what I know about business and, and, and bring you into that. And so, you know, if that person is able to make that kind of money, like, why can't I? I mean, the Bible says that you're no respecter of person. So mm-hmm. I know, Lord, that if that business can hit, you know, 10 figures a year, like mine can too. And so the second part of that for me has had to be, but Lord, I don't want it if I can't handle it. Because, you know, if, if I say that my most important thing to me is my faith and then my husband and then my kids and then my business, um, but the business is going to wreck the other three, like hands off. I want nothing to do with that. And I mean that with everything in me. And so, you know, it's been an interesting position to be in because in my arena with other business coaches, I mean, you know, we're, we're doing multi seven figures a year, Pastor Dears, but uh, there's a lot of them that are doing eight figures a year. And I just keep looking at that going, okay, you know what I could do with that kind of, of, you know, increase, but I'm like, Lord, but if it's, if it's not for me, A, I don't want it. B, if I can't handle it, like just forget it. Um, but C, I know that you're a righteous God. And I know that there are so many people who, um, they're, they're in the right heart position. And I just hope that I can train them with the right business skills to be able to bring some of that their way as well. Does that make sense? It does. And one, I think it's refreshing to hear someone talk about economic empowerment so boldly. Because there's this, this is one of the things that I think, and, I, and I'm not trying to like over-spiritualize some of this, but I do think some of this is kind of an ideology that comes from the adversaries, what Paul would call like doctrines of demons. This idea that anytime anyone highlights script, what the scriptures have to say about resources and the importance of managing them well, and watch this, the, the receiving of them, the influx of resources coming into the life of a person, sometimes as an expression of people's appreciation for the value that, people, that you're adding to somebody's life, right? It's sometimes that, resor- the, that influx of resources is evidence of unique contributions you're making to people. Whenever that that happens, people automatically get locked into like name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, prosperity theology camps. And I think enemies use that to silence people. And for me as a faith leader, I see the psychological, the relational trauma, sometimes a physical trauma that people go through as a result of a lack of resources. Uh, Jennifer, when the pandemic first happened and they shut down schools, One of the first things our church did is we partnered with an organization in the city that was going to provide meals for kids because there was a large portion of kids that went to a specific school in an area that's really close to one of our to our largest campus that their 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 eating was going to be significantly decreased because they weren't going to get the meals at home. They were getting at school. And and so in order to remedy that, we needed resources. It was, you know, and it wasn't that they had parents that were just neglectful. They're, they're strapped. They just financially couldn't. Yep. And so I really think it's, you know, in some way, I call it like a hermeneutic of privilege when people when people just completely minimize. Yeah. And so when and when I talk about privilege, I'm not even talking about privilege around around racial lines, it's privilege around wealth lines, right? Where you're not familiar with or in proximity to ramifications of poverty. So you mm-hmm. can dismiss the importance of money because you right. don't know what it's like to be around people who don't have any. Yeah. So I think yeah. what you're doing is powerful. Well, and, you know, um, delivering this with a heart of humility, but when the pandemic hit, I know that, um, you know, 
I get a lot of DMs on social media, which I love because I have a large platform and I think that I people feel like I'm approachable mm-hmm. and I, I welcome them to send me DMs. I've also, I tried to offload that for a little while and then I brought it back and I've, I've told my team, like if ever I'm so big for my britches that I don't have the time to respond to people in the DMs, mm-hmm. like I don't deserve this platform anymore. So mm-hmm. I spend an hour to two hours every single day just responding to people. And I knew when the pandemic, you know, when we were into it just a little bit and, and there were people that were just hurting in my DMs. And literally one night I was praying and felt like I was supposed to just come on and say, there's somebody that needs their light bill paid. And, and, you know, and so I said that on one of my Instagram stories, if that's you, if you need your light bill paid, like you just message me right now. And there was six or seven people that I just took care of their light bill for them. I don't know who they are, but you know, they sent me DMs and we took care of it. I couldn't do that if I didn't have a business that wasn't generating an income. And um, so so yeah, I mean, I, I love what you're saying um, because we have to have, like, I'm always telling people, how do you think the church lights stay on? <laughs> I mean, we need money in order to do those sorts of things. And there are so many people that are out in the marketplace who are not living for the Lord. And we have got to, we have to like take our seat at the table there as people that love Jesus, who are unashamedly sharing the gospel as business owners too. That's right. And, and so I've been to enough, I, I'm, a, I'm a kind of a, you know how people love to go to like concerts? Mm-hmm. I love going to business conferences. It just, it trips my trigger. I've emailed your team before and I'm like, as soon as Pastor Darius has a conference, like I want to know, I want to be there, um, mm-hmm. have a leadership one. But I love conferences and, um, and there's a lot of reasons for that. One, I believe in coming under um, people who have something that an anointing that God's given them. Um, but two, I just think that there's something about being in people's space. Um, that's just so powerful. But I've been to so many business conferences in the last couple of years. There is that, um, you know, people who obviously we come from very different faith backgrounds, but where there is manifestation, where there is tapping on your heads to bring money to you, where mm-hmm. there are crystal spirit <laughs> cards. And I'm looking around the room going, is anybody else like, like not up in here? Like what, what is even happening? <laughs> and, and what I'm, what I'm trying to say is like, it is rampant in the business world of wow. uh, ways that you can try to get funds. Yeah. I think that if we would just partner with the Holy Spirit and when God gives you a business idea and he gives you ways, he gives you ideas on how to put that out into the world. If we would stop looking at all the other people who are already doing it and think, okay, I've got to do it just like them. Um, it, but, but we just stay in our own lane and do it the way God's asked us to. I think that if we put ourselves in so much of a better position mm-hmm. for increase. Yes. And because let me tell you, when I go into those business conferences and they have me on a stage like this week, I, uh, I don't know if you know who Ty Lopez is, but I was in a, a, a virtual conference like this with, with Ty Lopez, with Shaleen Johns. I mean, some really huge names mm-hmm. in the business. And it's an interesting position for me because it's like I have a little bit too much Jesus in me to be you know, completely accepted in that realm. But I'm also not like in the Christian blogger realm because I've got way too much business in me to be there. And so um, what I've tried to do really hard in this last year, even in spite of 2020, is just accept the lane that God's got me in, mm-hmm. which is straddling both of those worlds. And when I do that, um, there's blessing that I see attached to that. And sometimes it's financial and other times it's just knowing it's just knowing that God's approving of what I'm doing. Does that make sense? It does 100%. And, you know, it's really in line with something that, you know, before we got on air and started this interview, I was telling you just kind of the way over the past, it's been subliminal and subtle for, I don't know, most of my ministry, but just really increased exponentially over the past several months. And maybe the pandemic has had something to do with it. And just this passion that I have for praying for, equipping, Helping the best that I can, what I call proverbial Josephs, and uh, based off the biblical character in the Bible, and this is this whole idea that all right, hey, if we're going to change the world, we need good people Mm -hmm. doing God's work in the public sector for the common good. It's it's, hundred percent is it like Joseph never preached a sermon, but he changed (laughs) changed the trajectory of a of a nation, spared his family from dying in famine, and um. Mm -hmm. I, I want to pull on you. We got to wrap this up, but I do want to ask you this because you coach so many. So you've coached thousands of business owners, right? So people, this is what I've noticed. A lot of people like they're here, things like this become incredibly, um, you know, 
excited and enthusiastic <laughs> and want to step out into entrepreneurship or business ventures with the expectation for success without becoming the kind of person mm. that actually is successful. You know, it's, it's kind of two different things. So like my, my youngest son plays, he's in the middle of like football and basketball season, right? So um, I, I was talking to him and so he's, he's just naturally gifted, he's an incredible athlete. And so uh, we were talking about his uh, basketball game the other day and I was like, you know, son, basketball is a skill sport. There's a little bit, football requires skill, but basketball is a skill sport. You've got to dribble, you've got to shoot, and you don't get better at that without doing it. You can't just, you can't just get out on the field, catch and not run everybody. It's different. I was like, so if you want to be, be a great player, if you want to have greatness on the court, you got to come the kind of person that does yep. great things on the court. That's the kind of person that practices a lot. Yep. So what are some traits that you've seen? Because people... Hey, I want to do a business venture. One, I think some people are entrepreneurs, not entrepreneurs. That's a whole nother conversation, right? But yeah, yeah so everybody shouldn't just don't leave your, you know, don't leave your job. But, but here's the, the point I'm making. I'm sure there are some traits that you've seen in people that kind of make them stand out from the rest when it comes to their entrepreneurial success. What are some of those traits? Yeah. So it's um, so I love what you know, what you were saying about entrepreneurs, by the way, also, because I think that there's uh, this the this thinking right now that, um, you know, that whatever you're passionate about, like, that's what you're supposed to be doing for a business. And often I find that you'll be passionate about something that's not going to make you any money at all. <laughs> but God will have you doing something else yeah. that will fund that passion project. Oh, good. So I think yeah. you got to, you know, in tune with that. But um, so if you're someone who's wanting to grow a business, it's not really passion, but I think that there needs to be a, a willingness to learn um, B understanding that uh, if there's somebody you see, who's doing the thing that you're wanting, like figure out how you can, you know, whether it's taking um, a training from you or reading a book from this person or getting into a coaching group, me or somebody else, like coming into that environment is so important because if you want to go like, um, what's that saying? If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Right. And, um, and there's times like I've went to conferences and things before after there's where I just wanted to like catch the anointing. I'm not even lying. Like mm -hmm. I went to, um, if, if you know who Lance wall now is, he's, he's the first one I ever heard talk about like the seven mountains and knowing what mountain you're called to. Mm -hmm. And I literally went to a conference just to ask him to pray over me. Mm -hmm. I literally went to, um, Sarah Jakes Roberts, um, conference, um, just to get close to her and to And they prayed over me like into whether it's virtually right now, cause it is 2020 or in person, like the people's, area because I had somebody join my coaching group once and it ended up now that her and I pray together every Monday morning. She's an entrepreneur in my space, but she said she joined my coaching group, not for the content, but for the covering. And I thought, man, that just, that is, that is so deep. And that blessed me so much. And so passion can only take you so far. And then I think you're going to have to get around other people who have, um, the same type of thinking. And by the way, like if you're wired for entrepreneurship, a lot of your family and your friends, they're just not going to get it. And it's, it's no, it's no offense to them. You're just wired differently. It's like when you, when you decide you're trying to start a business or grow a business, or my favorite is when people are trying to turn a hobby into a full-time business. Like those are my people. I love mm -hmm. that. That's my jam. It's really important who you surround yourself with because there's so many things you're going to have to up level in mentally. You're going to have to think differently. You just are. You, you, you have to think differently when you're going to be an entrepreneur that you can't be surrounded by people who they want you to stay put <laughs> or mm -hmm. they don't get it or they want to get it and they want what's best for you. But they're, they're giving you all these ideas of like, yeah, but they're yeah, but people like, yeah, but is 2020 the right time to start something or yeah, but how are you going to do that? Yeah. And have a, don't even get me started on um, we, we need to have a take two of this where we talk about the lie that women can have it all because they can, but they just can't have it all at once. Or the lie that they can't start a thing until their kids are grown because that's a lie from the enemy too. Yeah. So, um, and so I think that just being around the right set of people and constantly like having to um, up-level your thinking because where I was like five years ago or even two years ago in my business is much different than today. Today, God's working on leadership with me. And let me tell you, it's a stretch Yeah, it, to yeah. go from like managing to leading. Yeah. That's, that's a huge leap. And, yeah. um, 
So at every level, you're going to be learning new things. Um, there's going to be new things you're having to work through. And um, did that answer your question? You did. It was it was fantastic. And I think it's applicable to everyone in every space, because every leader right now, you've got to think even if you're entrepreneur, if even if you're an entrepreneur. Right. So even if you're not the leader of a team, you're sitting in second, third, fourth chairs. You yes. got to think entrepreneurially now. And those mm-hmm. things that you just mentioned, I think, are just principles for personal development, period, regardless of what seat you sit in. Well, Jennifer, yeah. listen. This has been fantastic. It's been incredible. I want to honor your time. I want to thank you for investing um, this over half an hour with us. This is probably stuff you've learned. You've been doing this since you were a little, uh, much more, three decades almost. And so you give us three decades of wisdom in half an hour. People are going to want to know, how can I find her? Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're going to be DMing me. What's up with these coaching groups? Yeah. So I want them to find you so they can go to your DMs and get the answers okay. and all the information yeah, that so, they need. Uh, so I'm verified on Facebook and which is lovely, but I can't seem to get verified on on Instagram. So if anybody I, so I know people and I can't get I Lord, I'm like, Lord, what's up with this? I've got more <laughs> followers than them. I'm like, okay. So anyway, God and I are discussing that. But um, Instagram is where I answer all my DMs every day. Facebook's kind of a wild, the wild, wild west these days. So, um, you know, they can send me uh, a DM on Instagram. Um, there's freebies I can give them if, if they need some help, like in how, to, how do I get started, Jen? I don't know even what I could do for a business. Like, let me know in, in the DMs and I'll send you some things. But yeah, Instagram under Jennifer Allwood, that's where I would love to connect with people. So thank you for that. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. Love to you and your incredible family. Congratulations on the adoption. I know. Uh, thank you for allowing, you know, my wife and I even to, to have kind of an outside view on the end, at least the ending part of that process and mm-hmm. finalizing all of that. We, we just felt really honored and blessed by that and really excited about you and the value you're about to add in this next season of your life to the kingdom. And uh, we look forward to having you back really soon. Today's show is brought to you by United Healthshare Ministries. These days, finding affordable, quality health care is more difficult than ever. So if you're looking to save up to 50% on your health care expenses, listen up. You don't have to wait around hoping healthcare will improve in the U.S. Instead, join millions of Christians who are choosing healthshare memberships like UHSM. UHSM is a nonprofit Christian healthshare with a sole purpose of helping you achieve your best health. To protect your health with modern health sharing from UHSM, including program benefits from CVS Caremark, no-cost telehealth visits, and access to one million doctors and providers. Satisfy your medical needs and save up to 50% with UHSM. UHSM is member-to-member health sharing, and it's awesome. See why millions are choosing this Christian alternative to traditional insurance and ask if you qualify for UHSM membership today. So you can call or text 833-367-8476. That's 833-367-8476 or 833-367-UHSM. Or you can visit uhsm.com slash care. That's uhsm.com slash care. Well, what an incredible interview with Jennifer Allwood. I hope it added value to your life. And, you know, speaking of adding value, it's time for one of my favorite sections of the show, the Ask Dr. Darius section. And I hope it adds value to your life because we get to answer questions you send in to us. If you got a question you want me to answer on the show, send it to podcast at DariusDaniels.com. Again, email it to podcast at DariusDaniels.com. We're going to get to as many of them as we can. We've got a few that have come in for today's show. I'm going to toss it over to Dakari. He's going to start us off with the first question. All right, PD, this question comes from Donald. Donald says, listen, I've been watching you for so many years. I've watched you pastor. I've watched you speak at amazing conferences. I've watched you put together some amazing programs. But I want to ask you this. Your pastor, 
is this the final chapter for you? Is this the end all be all? Will you do you see yourself retiring as a pastor? That is a very um, interesting question. So do I see myself retire? You know, this is, I've got, of course, this is, these are my plans, not God's. Uh, I, I, I don't, no one knows exactly what God has in store in the future, but do I see myself eventually retiring from pastoring? Yes. Meaning that if I have my say, will I pastor until I transition to heaven? The answer to that question is no. So um, I could see myself probably doing this maybe another 20 years. And um, I do feel like I want to work until I pass away. But the way in which I work and the roles that I kind of express my work in, I think would would change. But, I, I, you know, I think one of the things that I think Donald's kind of getting at, too, is I think people are starting to see now just me express different areas of my identity that, that have already existed. So there's this buzzword like evolution, like people evolve into something different. I don't think I'm evolving in that sense in terms of my calling. Hopefully I'm evolving as a person and becoming a better person. I do think I'm in a season now where I'm expressing and executing some of the things that I've always been passionate about and things that I feel like are part of my calling. So pastoring is my primary assignment. And I feel very passionate about that. I feel very passionate about building the kind of church I see, meaning, you know, the church I have a vision to build. Um, Yet at the same time, it's not my exclusive one. I just, I feel like I am called to create transformational content for people. And that transformational content is, is from a Christian worldview, but it is not just for Christians. Because I believe um, God has a love for the world. And as we serve the world, it's an expression of God's love for them. And it is a way to validate I think their need for and the relevance of Christianity. And so, um, you know, I'm really passionate about personal development. Um, I've got two and I'm working on my third coaching certification, even though I'm not going to do a lot of one-on-one coaching. So most of my coaching I do internally with our organization, but you know, I just launched EDS, which is everyday seminary. I got a couple of other things that are coming down the pipe. We're going to release next year. And uh, yeah, my job is just to resource people with transformational content. And I, I can see myself doing that in different spaces. You, this is what's uncomfortable, though. When some people meet you or get exposed to you in one space, they want to relegate mm-hmm. you to simply that. Yeah. Now, you have a right to say, I only want this from you. But you don't have a right to say, this is all you need to be. Mm-hmm. Right? Placing so, that yeah. limitation. Yeah. Like, if you, you only want sermons from Darius Daniels, you have a right to say, that's all I want from you. But you don't have a right to say all you should do is just preach sermons. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't say what all of that's going to look like. But I do know that I feel very passionate about and called to create transformational content for people. From a Christian worldview that serves people in the church and outside of it. Mm-hmm. Reverend, yeah. everybody. Reverend. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right <laughs> all right Chastity. all right so i have a question from latrice latrice said um you spoke about starting your ministry at 19 years old and sounding like a 90 year old or dressing in full suits etc to preach how did you transition um from wearing certain types of clothing and having a certain type of sound to your preaching to being more casual and speaking to the current culture generation and and how can others break free from that traditional form of religion? Got it. So I feel like I hear two themes in the question. And one mm-hmm. is, I think, generally like a question of um, one has religious connotations. And I think one is just a larger question about conformity. So when I talked about like when I was uh, 19, that's when I started preaching. I was I was being facetious. Right. When I said <laughs> I wasn't hopefully I wasn't insulting somebody that was 90, but I was saying, you know, <laughs> you're 19. There were not 19 year old guys in ministry that I could look to and see myself in. So it was almost as if um, in taking on a ministry identity, I took on the identity of the other people that I saw in ministry. Yeah. And what happened is I don't think there was an evolution. I don't think what people are seeing is an evolution. More than just an ex and the courage to actually just operate in my uniqueness. 
Mm-hmm. So if I still wanted to like wear the issue is not about clothes, but if I still wanted to wear suits because that was like my swag or my style, I would wear suits. Mm-hmm. So I'm not like not wearing suits to be relevant because mm-hmm. I think you can like <laughs> I think you can, there are a lot of people who are not wearing suits. That does not make you relevant. <laughs> right. <laughs> it does not make yeah. you relevant. You know what I'm saying? It's like some people's like, nah, Bishop, I want you to put your suit back on. That's, yeah. You know, put it no, on. Yeah. That ain't really a swag. That. Yeah. Yeah. Get them back this way. Put them yeah. jeans yeah. on with them gators. <laughs> yeah, Bishop, but you, no, put your, put your collar back on, please. So I, um, I just feel like with time, a person realizes that, all right, no matter what iteration of myself I expose, you aren't going to please everybody Mm -hmm. so what does it mean then to be wise and to be prudent but to be authentic in terms of being your actual self and believe that the people who actually want the authentic you will be drawn to you so if you don't rock with me because of some shifts that you've seen in that area then it's like i've got to be able to live with the fact that I either have to be a prison, a prisoner to your expectation for the rest of my life mm-hmm. or I have to be authentically who God called me to be and um, express that with prudence and wisdom and then just believe that the people that that's for it's, it's who it's for. And I would say the same thing applies like with toxic religion. It's just kind of getting to the point where I don't think all tradition is toxic. I don't think religion is toxic. I think bad religion can be. But the point that I'm making is I do think it all comes down to conformity and us feeling the pressure mm-hmm. to fit within these molds that might not work for you. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like wearing Saul's, Saul's armor. So mm. I don't feel like I'm changing. I just feel like I'm just exposing. Mm-hmm. Was, was, that a, was that a fear of yours to actually show more? Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah, mm-hmm. 100%. I think that public fil- figures all right so i, I, I don't want to get political i'm just going to use this as an example because people are going i don't want anybody to email us and t- you're talking about you know this guy <laughs> but you guys remember when o- uh, president obama was president mm-hmm. of course he wore a tan suit right right and it was like it was just you know it was just such a, i was like bro it's just the suit it's just the suit, mm-hmm. it's just the suit. but that that is what come with comes with being a public servant it is that there just are a set of expectations about the way you carry yourself. And I understand that. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if you don't want that, you shouldn't sign up for this. Yet at the same time, you've got to be honest about what is authentically you. Mm-hmm. Are you cowering to unhealthy expectations? Mm-hmm. Um, or... Are you going to you know, make a decision where you say, all right, the fear of me not being myself is greater than the fear of me being somebody that I'm not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when that fear overrides the other fear, you just do it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's kind of what what what's happened with me. And I'm getting older. And it's just as you get older, you don't care no more. You don't care. <laughs> the same. So it's like some guys you, who do things, you're like, oh, he's in a midlife crisis. Well, some people might be in a midlife crisis. And for some people, it's like, that's been it. They've been wanting to do that 20 years. A long time. Mm-hmm. They just now they're like, I don't care what you say. Yeah. <laughs> I'm about to do it. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's, I don't know. That's, that's kind of my two cents on that. And that's the way I've kind of been thinking through some of that stuff. That's good. Dakari? Well, I'll give you this final question. This is, it's going back to relationships. All right. Uh, Lilo, she asked this question. Do you believe that God has a specific person for each person? Oh, that's good. I think you and I talked about that before. Like yeah. I, I, I made it's a like comment. like the soulmate question, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I do believe in soulmates, but my definition of soulmates, I did a whole teaching on this. I think I called it Baywatch or something. Mm-hmm. Um, it's on YouTube, like finding your soulmate, something like that. But, um, a soulmate is somebody that's necessary for your assignment and suitable for your soul. Soul, mind, will, emotions, imaginations, affections. So I do believe that there are people that like are soulmates in that sense. I do not believe in every instance there is one person that is only that. And I'm going to tell you why. Okay. What happens if people pass away? Yeah. So if somebody's married and their spouse passes away, is like their next spouse is like, you know, I love you, but you... You ain't the soulmate. You're, <laughs> you're never going to be my soulmate. And of course, the spouse that passed away is going to have a unique space in your heart. But to say that the other person is not as loved and not as valued and not as God ordained, I just, I don't know how true that is. 
Now, some people go to the extreme. Somebody put this in one of my comments one time. I feel like the right one is whoever I pick. And I was, you know, I just responded, hey, whatever works for you. In my head, I'm saying, one, you're probably single. And then two, hit me back later and let me know how that works for you. How, that, how that's going. <laughs> oh, yeah. The pick matters. Yeah. You don't think the pick matters? The you're pick not reading matters. the Bible objectively. The, the pick, pick matters. matters. It does. Yeah. When Abraham was sending out a servant to pick a wife of Isaac, he gave him instructions. Yo, pick this. Don't pick this. Why? Because picks matter. So I just kind of feel like. In certain instances, for certain people, it's like, yeah, you know, you got that one person and y'all going to rock together till the wheels fall off. Yeah. In other instances, it's like uh, it's sometimes somebody might pass away or life may happen and the marriage doesn't work out. Yeah. And um, yeah, there's somebody else that is suitable for your soul and necessary for your assignment. So, yes, I don't believe I, I, I don't believe there's a one size fits all with that. That makes some people nervous, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It makes you nervous, Chassie? No, it doesn't make me okay. nervous. Does that make know? sense, though? Like, I make a lot of sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I think so, to me at least. Well, listen, everybody, thank you for sending in your questions. We want to hear from you. Listen, send us questions to podcast at DariusDaniels.com. Email them in. We're going to get to as many of them as we possibly can. And as always, I want to thank you for being a part of this tribe. Thank you for listening to today's show. And thank you for helping us spread the word about this podcast. You can do that by um, downloading, by subscribing, by rating and writing a review. It helps us tremendously. And I'm really grateful for your support and your partnership. Hey, I can't wait to do this again next week. Until next time, take care. God bless. to the Darius Daniels Podcast, part of the Relevant Podcast Network. For more great content from Dr. Darius, including his books, sermons, and more, check out DariusDaniels.com. Also, be sure to follow him on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And for more podcasts at the intersection of faith and culture, check out the Relevant Podcast Network, featuring shows like The Relevant Podcast, Unedited, and more launching throughout the year. Find out more by clicking podcasts at relevantmagazine.com. Relevant Podcast Network.